Vige. Goons. Touch of all, Joe! It's only game. Hello and welcome everyone to the show that gets people talking about something else. This is Big Shiny Goons, it's episode 5. I'm your host Thomas and we have a great guest today. They're an editor at Broad Street Hockey, co-host of BSH Radio and an overall purveyor of bad teams and bad TV. Uh, Kelly Hinkle is here. (laughs) Hello. Kelly, how's it going? (laughs) an extremely accurate description of me <laughs> i mean just getting like over the months that i've kind of gotten to know you as a writer on the site it's just been uh yeah it's just kind of gotten into that attitude right i do in fact watch a lot of bad hockey and a lot of bad tv <laughs> i mean, can't argue with any of that i do like the uh the sometimes weekly uh just pop into the slack and then you're guys are talking about oak island or something i just never i think i've watched it already (laughs) just by looking at what you guys have been saying it's extremely funny to me that i it didn't occur to me that anybody else would be interested in that show especially steph i didn't think steph would be interested in it at all i somehow got her in on it and then yeah everybody else just hopped in me and brad are always talking about the challenge on mtv like it's just it's just so much bad tv (laughs) Tonight's not like you're interrupting my 90 day fiance watching. I'm so which sorry. Is just you should be sorry. We, uh, I have a I have a funny 90 day story where it's uh, it's not a long story I guess, but the my other podcast hosers was more like primarily hockey podcast, hockey and bullshit podcast. Um, it, one the other co host Chris he uh, is a huge 90 day fiance fan, so we got a cameo from Zaid for his birthday. And just like no, and just like full of really inside jokes, but it was really clear that he was like reading them, like while he was recording. He's like, "You like candy?" and just like, and I was like, "Oh, this is fine. I'm Zaid, whatever." How much did that cost? It was like thirty five bucks. It was like nothing. Oh my god, worth every penny. I know. I was looking at other people. I was like, "No, we were gonna do Sean Avery," and I was like, "That's double the price," and probably just like. Not really good. Not good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's better, way better. Um, anyways, so obviously, uh, you are a Philadelphia Flyers fan, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> how uh, how has this season been going for you, really? I have been um, progressively spiraling from like super optimistic. I started the season super optimistic. I mean, like, okay, admittedly, every single season. I genuinely believe, for the most part, I've been watching the Flyers since, like, the late 90s. I would say, for the most part, every single season, I'm like, yes, this is the one. This is going to be the season. I can feel it. And typically, progressively, as the season goes on, the life is beaten out of me by the team. And this year, it happened uh, way more quickly than I expected it to and uh, much more dramatically than I expected it to. Up until like maybe two weeks ago, I was still like, no, 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 no. They're fine. They're going to figure it out. It's okay. Everything's going to come together. And then, um, you know, one or two, six goal losses later. (laughs) And suddenly I'm like, oh my God, they have to blow the whole thing up. There's no other way. (laughs) It's just like not what I expected this season to be at all. So it's uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. Like speaking of expectations, was there like what were the expectations, especially coming off of last year? So I think that I guess I can only speak for myself. I was under the impression that the flyers that we saw for the month and the month and a half, I think it was like. January, like early January into February, before the COVID pause, when the Flyers were really rolling, um, I thought, okay, that is, that's the, that's what this team is. Because it took them a while last season to kind of get it together. And once they did, they seemed rather unstoppable. And so I thought to myself, all right. This is this is what I was expecting this team to be. Like they've they're finally starting to get there. Hart looks really good. Some of the rookies are starting to come up. 
Travis Konechny was out of control. And then the playoffs happened. And while it was ugly, you could kind of convince yourself that, you know, like, the whole world is messed up. Are we allowed to say curse words on this podcast? yeah. Yeah, that's fine. The whole world's fucked. They're in this weird bubble. Like, they haven't played hockey in months. Like, everything's crazy. It's understandable that perhaps the playoffs didn't go as we would have expected. So I can push that aside. Heading into this season, I was kind of expecting them to build on what they were doing last season. And when they started off not doing that, then I convinced myself that it was because they didn't have a healthy roster. Couturier went down like halfway through the first game of the season, and he was out for a while. And then they lost other key guys. Um, Then they had a whole COVID outbreak. Like There was a whole lot of stuff going on. That allowed me to just kind of say, like, this is why it's happening. And then on top of that, Carter Hart has completely forgotten how to be a goaltender, inexplicably. Um, And I thought, like, that was going to resolve itself pretty quickly because last season, again, he had some struggles at the beginning of the season and he kind of worked his way out of it. And he hasn't. And I'm not worried about it long term, but it seems pretty clear that this season might just be dead and it might be time to accept it and it sucks but it is what it is yeah it's almost like uh carter just remembered that he's a goaltender that uh plays in philadelphia someone on twitter mentioned that perhaps his sports psychologist is trapped in canada (laughs) oh like can't come here because of all of this travel restriction and i don't know if that's true that that is, but I was yeah. That's something that I it haven't could heard. be. I, yeah, I don't really know who who it is or where they come from, but it doesn't seem like Carter Hart is seeing that person anymore <laughs> because he seems to be like really in one, like all the way. So I don't know. He's got a lot of stuff to work through. He needs to uh, stop crouching into a tiny ball in the middle of his net and i think we might be able to sort things out but i mean honestly realistically until he sorts it out the team's not going anywhere like it doesn't really matter if the defense tightens up it doesn't really matter if the forwards remember how to score goals like if the goaltender is putting up like an 820 like we're just not gonna win anything so this it's just i just it's not this season I thought it might have been, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just this weird feeling, I guess, of like the mentality of cheering for a team that has never been really considered. I don't. Know, my, this is from my outside point of view of just like observing hockey for my life, but like the Flyers were never really considered like a strong, strong contender. Like they're always someone's like favorite dark horse pick to like. Mm-hmm in like 2011 or something like oh yeah whatever like they're gonna go like do some stuff and whatever but they never really like felt like a strong presence of like contention i don't know if you experienced that as a fan but well it has been it's been a long while since they have been a legitimate threat it's been i mean really since the 2010 cup run the team hasn't made a serious push for anything. Right. Um, and then once they decided to hire Ron Hextall and go kind of like three quarters rebuild, um, that was kind of a pushing pause on achieving anything, really. Like, it all kind of stopped then. And so that was a solid five years of what we thought was building towards something. And then... Once Hackstall was fired, um, it did kind of seem like things were going to start to head in the right direction, and I think they were for a little while. And this season is like a... I've been watching hockey for a long time, and I generally don't really subscribe to like all of the kind of weird like emotional stories that fans tell themselves about hockey teams. Like, I don't think anyone's like you know 
crying in the locker room because they lost games and like that's why they can't get it together they're just so sad like that kind of shit like these are professional athletes this isn't how it works for them there's something going on with this team that i cannot wrap my brain around because it doesn't make any sense like this isn't a team full of bad hockey players like this isn't you know, an Edmonton team with two or three really good players and then a bunch of garbage. Like, this is a pretty good hockey team. The forwards, especially, yeah. are quite good. Theoretically, they're quite good. And they're just not doing what they should be doing. And I don't know if that's on the coach, because I also don't really think that NHL coaches are that important in the grand scheme of things. Like, I don't really think a coach... Well, Dave Haxall kind of did. <laughs> In the other one. I don't know. I just, yeah, I can't, I can't, I just can't figure out what has gone so wrong. It's really weird. Yeah. But it's not fun, Tom. It's not fun. Yeah, it's just this, like, instability. Like, on paper, I remember going to the season, of course, like, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I've always kind of paid attention to the Flyers, but, like, obviously, I will do, like, watch every game kind of thing. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. even going into the season where it's more, like, okay, this, like, forward group is nice. Like, it's good. It's deep. Like, Scott Vaughn's a good depth piece that, like, every team would want. Um, and, like, the blue line, whatever. Like, they were shorthanded because of the Niskanen thing. You could talk about that at the beginning. And then, like, and also just, like, the weird COVID offseason that, like, no team... I forget. I think, like, Tyler Toffoli got the most, like, max amount of money, and it was, like, barely anything. Like, he got the, like total money spent on a player was like for Tyler Toffoli like or I guess Pietrangelo in the end but like for a while before the Pietrangelo kind of like kicked off everything like the beginning where probably it sense like teams were trying to figure out their, finan- their finances first so they could actually like mm-hmm. sign players so it's just like this weird cloud of COVID related things like seeping into every little move that you have to kind of analyze yeah, and that's that's another thing. Like, I obviously something needs to be done with this Flyers team. Like, some kind of move needs to be made. The defense, in particular, that just needs to be shored up on a talent level. And then, arguably, you need to trade somebody else just to shake things up or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that with the season being so short. Like, most of the teams that have good players are probably still kind of hanging on to maybe we'll sneak into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. especially the teams in the East, which I don't know if any of them would trade with us anyway. But then you have the fact that, like, for a lot of teams, it's a completely lost season because of the COVID stuff. Like, they weren't able to improve the way that they might have wanted to. They weren't able to sign players that they might have wanted to. And so I I just don't think that making a move this season is going to be all that easy for any general manager. And I just fear that Flyers fans are going to lose their shit if Chuck Fletcher can't get something done. (laughs) But I don't necessarily know that it'll be for lack of trying. Like, it just might not be able to get done. Right. And then also it's like, if this isn't the year... Which, I mean, like, with every passing day, it becomes clearer and clearer that this is not the year the Flyers are going to make a push. Is there even a point to doing a big blockbuster trade this year? Especially for, I mean, like, obviously Ekholm is the guy that everybody wants. He's only signed for two more seasons. So, like, unless you're sure that you can keep him, is it is it worth doing right now? Because you're just wasting him this year. Nothing's going to happen. So maybe you wait till next year and see what's available, which will make people insane because they're tired of waiting. But I don't know. It's a really tough spot. And I'm actually super interested to see how Fletcher handles it because I'm not sure he's ever been in this particular situation. Because I feel like the Wild were always just consistently okay. Like they were kind of like, always, like you would know better than me, but they were always like good and, like, there was always kind of a maybe this will be the year for the while. But I don't know that he ever had, like, an actual crisis like this. And also in a place filled with crazy people like Philadelphia. 
I just don't, I don't know how he's going to respond. So I'm kind of interested to see how he reacts to this. If he does absolutely nothing, I think people are going to lose their minds, but we'll see. Yeah, I've, I think Chuck Fletcher in Minnesota is like, there was no real expectation for those teams. Like, Parisi and Suter were great, whatever. Like, there was no, like, you must win right now because we have this talent only for this amount of time kind of thing. Because there was, like, all their talent that would reach free agency was, like, were like depth pieces and you had like the koi the koi Vus that are like franchise legend wouldn't play for anyone else and then you went to sign for columbus for a year and then played only like seven games i think um mm-hmm. but i it's just like th- there was no real sense of urgency anywhere there was no sense of also like holes to fill or like it would have been nice to have an offensive winger but those are expensive so we'll just like keep on trucking on with the roster we have and cool sneaking the playoffs and whatever and make some noise and but i don't think like you said like he's ever been in a position like this where people are like would if they could like scream down his door to make a trade up for the a defenseman or something yeah there definitely is an urgency and it's also actually this is something that charlie pointed out this week on our show that I, for some reason, never clicked in my head. I think that Flyers fans have constructed a window for this team winning that kind of centers around Claude Giroux, um, which makes sense. Um, I would like Claude Giroux to win a cup here, and he's, you know, the leader of this team for the last decade, pretty much. Like, he's, you know... If they're going to win a cup, it's going to be with him. But the window doesn't necessarily need to have Claude Giroux as the best player or even one of the best players. When his contract is up, I would imagine he's going to sign with the Flyers again and he'll probably be with us till just about the end of his career. And if we win a Stanley Cup with him you know, getting limited minutes on the power play and being like a second or third liner because he's at the tail end of his career. Like, that's okay. Like, that still works. Mm-hmm. So really the window for the team, I think, is a lot bigger than people expect, especially because most of the team is constructed of pretty young players. And if they're going to win a cup, they're going to need them. They're, they're going to need Konechny if he's not traded for something. They're going to need Farabee. They're going to need guys like Cam York or Igor Zamula or, you know, Phil Myers. They need him to get better. Like, all of these young guys are going to have to be parts of this team winning. Or you have to concede that none of this is working and they have to start over, which I don't think is the case. So... I don't know. In, in a lot of ways, it's not as dire, I think, as people think it is. I just think that we have been waiting for so long for the team to be good that we finally got a little taste, and this regression is just making people completely insane. They don't know what to do with themselves. Right, yeah. Well, speaking of trying to co- overcome your insaneness, um, we'll go into the next first segment, um, Listening Lately. So Kelly, mm. so Kelly, what are you listening to lately? Okay, so if we're going full honesty, which I think we should, yeah. this is a place of All honesty. Good. We had uh, we had see uh, Morley's talk about uh, a TikTok song that they love. So, so I generally <laughs> listen to a couple of podcasts. And then some extremely random music, depending on my mood. So for the most part, in the car, if I'm driving, which isn't very often anymore because I live in the city, I'm listening to podcasts. I listen to uh, an NPR podcast about cooking. <laughs> Look out, everybody. Um, Sick. I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast if there are interesting guests i don't listen to every episode i just kind of see who he's got on there and if it seems cool i'll listen to it and i listen to uh chapo trap house that's about all that i listen to for the most part and then um 
if I'm like going for a run or something, I generally put on not necessarily music that I love, but music that is fast enough that it makes me move my stupid body <laughs> in a way that I wanted to go. So like I have like a a playlist on my Spotify called I Hate Running that is generally made up of like <laughs> just terrible like early 2000s pop music like Lady Gaga and NSYNC and stuff like that. So Okay. That's embarrassing, but it's also true. Um and then also another really random note so this is probably going to be just as random as c's tiktok confessions so i lived in halifax for a little over six months and while i was there um my friends that i was staying with mike and anna introduced me to uh cape breton fiddle music which i have absolutely grown to really enjoy in it's kind of in the whole like sorry that was a loud philadelphia car um it's sort of in like the sea shanty kind of i know that the youths learned about sea shanties recently so it's kind of like in that vein of just like really like jaunty traditional scottish highland cape breton silly fiddle music and i will like listen to that when i'm doing work because it's generally just puts me in a good mood so that is i would say 99 percent of what i have been listening to audio wise recently i will say if you thought you liked the sea shanties check out a little bit of uh nova scotia fiddle music might be right up your alley oh yeah (laughs) It's, yeah, there's something about the Maritimes and, like, the music that goes with it. It just, like, just lifts the spirit I, in, like, not in, like, a very spiritual sense, but just, like, oh, that's pleasant. Yes. Like, just, like, just lifts your mood. And you're like, oh, nice. I like, gotta tell you. So, I have spent a lot of time in a lot of places in your amazing country that is my favorite place on Earth. I have never in my life been to a place... That is like the maritime provinces. The people are bonkers and also like extremely friendly in a way that makes no sense to me. Nothing moves fast. And like coming from this part of the East Coast of the US, like the idea of like being chill in a long line at the coffee shop because it's like, eh, you know, it'll get there when it gets there. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, hurry up and make the coffee. But like, it's just. It's a very, it's it's very much its own place. Like, I feel like you can go to Toronto and kind of, like, draw comparisons to U.S., like, big cities in the U.S. or other places in Canada. There's absolutely no, nowhere I've ever been that's, like, the Maritimes. I highly, I they should hire me to work for their tourism board. Everyone should go there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just something about the air, even. Like, I went on, like, I think it was almost like annual trips out there like to PEI or Halifax with the when I was a kid and then I went out there when I was a little bit older and it's like experiencing you know when like you make trips as like an adult or whatever and it's like Halifax is just such like a unique town I guess because it's like half college town it's like Dalhousie's there not mm-hmm. Dalhousie but um whatever yeah Dalhousie yeah. sorry uh and St. Mary's yeah. Uh, and then there's like four or five. And there's like, um, I think it's NSAC or something. And there's like the art school. Oh, the Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like a different like vibe than anywhere else. Like it's just, it's just so nice. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just. I know. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's definitely a city, yeah. but also like not right in a weird way. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And it's so pretty. Like, I was once describing it to somebody that, like, if you're driving through Nova Scotia, like, on a random highway, like, in the suburbs, it's like forest, 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 lake out of nowhere. (laughs) Trees, 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 trees. There's the fucking ocean, like, right over there. It's just, like, the craziest place in the whole world. I'm obsessed with it. I cannot wait to go back. And I would highly recommend that if you have the means... 
you visit yourself some maritime provinces. Yeah. I was supposed to go to St. John's before. So when I was getting ready to leave Nova Scotia, I was like, okay, I'm going to live it up before I go. And I planned like a week and a half long trip to Newfoundland. I was so fucking excited. I was going to go. I was going to kiss the fish. I was going to like wander around. I was going like, to, I was so excited about it. And I was supposed to go in March. And then like, of course it got canceled and I couldn't go. And it's still like the worst thing that happened to me while I was up there. I'm dying to go. For some reason, Newfoundland in my head is like peak maritime. And I really, really want to go there and just like experience it. Because I've been told that like as nice as people are in Nova Scotia, in Newfoundland, it's like times 10, which just like doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't seem like that could be real. So I'm really interested to see what Newfoundland is like. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, that's one place that I haven't been. And I'm just like, it is definitely a dream vacation. Like you see the pictures of like the colorful houses on like the next next oh to God, a mountain. Like do people actually live there? Is there, or is it just like an, an art right? thing? Like, is there actually a family that like that is their house and like they are established there and like are able to just be there all the time? Right. And then like, do they notice that they live in like a ridiculous, like a postcard yeah. of a place? Although like there are places in Nova Scotia that are like that, like Lunenburg is like straight up a postcard and like I knew a lady that like lived in one of the pretty painted houses that you can like see from the harbor and I'm like this is not a normal life like I don't know how you live here every day and don't like lose your mind it really is just like super special and then you can go to Newfoundland in like June and see the glaciers go by Mm -hmm. and that's wild so much good stuff. It's just sorry, I hijacked your podcast. No, it's fine. I, it I love I love talking about <laughs> Canadian geography. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of good stuff, um, let's move on to the second segment of the show, the main part of the show. Um, Kelly, could you please tell the audience what album you want to talk about? Okay, so it took me. A little while to think about this. So I don't know if you remember during the pandemic, Charlie was kind of doing a show a little bit like this where we talked about a movie and we talked about an album. And he had me on one time and it took me a while to think about an album for then too. And I ended up talking about the tragically hip for like a whole bunch of different reasons. But this time I was like trying to like really think about something that honestly was like a pivotal moment for me in my life and Pearl Jam's 10 definitely was um it's not my favorite Pearl Jam album like by a long stretch it's probably my least favorite Pearl Jam album actually if I'm listening to Pearl Jam there aren't very many songs on this album that I will go to um like maybe Porch is pretty cool Deep's pretty cool um But for the most part, this isn't like a a go-to for me. But I can remember with crystal clarity the first time that I heard it and the way it completely like changed the course of my life musically. So it was sixth grade. I'm old. It was sixth grade. I was on the JV cheerleading team at my Catholic school. So that was a thing. And we were at cheerleading practice and our coach would let us bring CDs that we could listen to during practice. And it was for the most part, like exactly what you expect, you know, 12 year old girls to listen to for the most part. And then someone, I forget who, but I believe it was a girl called Trisha Giuliano, who I think might be a doctor now, which is wild. Anyway, um, she brought this album in to cheerleading practice and I'd never heard it before and she it was playing and I was like oh what's this because I had not I up until that point listened to like cheesy little girl music for the most part like the first concert I ever went to was a New Kids on the Block concert and it kind of like completely shifted me into 
Like, I went fully into the whole, like, early to mid-90s Seattle grunge thing. Like, that was my jam for ever. Um, And so it was just one of those times where it's like, even when a piece of music isn't your favorite or the best or the one that you like the most now, I do feel like it's kind of important to, like, notice when something completely shifts your entire, like, musical paradigm. And this definitely did it for me. So Pearl Jam is my favorite band in the whole world. Um, I've listened to them for a long time, obviously. And even through, like, all kinds of, like, different, like, phases. Like, in high school, I went through, like, a real cheesy goth phase where I was like listening to like Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that and like hating the world Um, and I went through like a metal phase and like even through all of that when none of the other like when Nirvana didn't fit into it or Soundgarden didn't fit into it like even through all of that I still listened to Pearl Jam like they never went away Um, so yeah that's kind of why I picked this album it is, yeah, it's like, I always love those albums that, like, just spawn this whole different, not, like, awakening, I would say. That's kind of, like, too strong of a word, but, like, different just tastes, like, opens up your taste a lot. Like, my album was Black Flag's Damaged for that. Um, okay. It's, that's why I have a Black Flag tattoo, and it's, like, very, like so corny now to have a black flag tattoo i feel (laughs) but it's like more so like that was an album that got me into like different like obviously punk and then hardcore and like metal and then like just stuff that wasn't like any like a lot of other of my friends were listening to um yeah and then like and then obviously going into like the jazz program and then i went to like jazz i studied jazz after high school and like just doing all this like weird avant-garde shit just for fun and like it's just like always this sense of like i'm just gonna listen to other stuff or whatever like i love those uh, those first kind of albums that just like it's almost like that like domino meme you know of like the the Uh meme of like the kid or the guy like throwing over a domino and that's like the huge one it's like listening to (laughs) black flag or pearl jam and then it gets you into like whatever Meryl Manson and like <laughs> avocado music. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really neat. I always I always wonder if like because everything is so compartmentalized now. Um I always wonder if like this is gonna, like such an old person thing to say. Like if young people are still kind of experiencing that kind of stuff where like some random friend plays some right. random thing that you've never heard before. And it, like, completely changes your whole world. I hope so. Because it's cool. Yeah. Like, I feel like so much of it now is, like, you're just... It could still be, like, recommendations you see on social media. I feel like that's more so now. Or, like, just absorbing recommendations, like, peripherally. Or, like, you get, like, different connections into bands. Like, if you're a big, like, Julian Baker fan, then you, like, start listening to Boy Genius. And then you get Phoebe Bridgers and, like her stuff with like national and then you get Wilco and it's like, is this this, like trail of like older bands or whatever kind of thing? Like, I feel like that's more of it now because so much of it is readily accessible. Um, where it's not so much of like your friend bringing a cassette or a CD or like you, you go into the library and like getting that, like a CD in that like really coded film case and you play it on your, you play it on your (laughs) boom box and like, really quiet or you sit next to it plugging like really cheap sony headphones in or something but like just that whole like that's how i listen to good charlotte for the first time um like (laughs) it's just this like different experiences i guess Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's it's just crazy i feel like also like maybe that pearl jam album probably was a lot of that for people too like getting into that first foray of heavier music or different like alternative because it was like a a real big like hodgepodge of different stylings Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah and it it definitely wasn't like 
it, it really was, now that you mention it, like a, a way into hard rock music without it being like so abrupt because grunge kind of, while it is hard in a lot of ways, isn't like aggressive right. in a lot of ways. So it kind of like eases you into the idea of hard rock and then you can kind of build from there, which definitely happened for me because even the other Seattle grunge bands of the time were kind of harder than Pearl Jam. Like Soundgarden was a bit harder than them. Alice in Chains was for sure harder than them. Um, Nirvana was a bit punkier than they were. And so it was kind of like an, an easy like entree into the rock world that I, I wonder if it had not been that album, if it had been something a little bit more aggressive, it might not have grabbed me the way that this one did, which is interesting to think about because it, it, you know, I did get into progressively harder and more aggressive music as I went. But if I had started with that, like, you know, if like some, you know, Megadeth album was the first hard rock that I listened to. It might not have grabbed me, but this, you know, grabbing onto this album and kind of working my way up to, like, up, up to, like, super hard, like, thrashy metal was kind of a more natural progression, I think. Yeah, like, even Mike Phail and I were talking about this last episode where it's like, he was trying to get, like, explore more into jazz, and it was, like, a very, like, what do I listen to first kind of thing. It's very much so like you got to ease yourself way like into things and get like used to different sounds. And it's not so much of like, oh, this is like you're not ready for this music or whatever, like from a from a staunch point of view or uh, like uh, I'm higher up in my musical vocabulary and thought process or whatever. But it's like sometimes you just have to expose yourself like gradually to different ideas be like okay if i like this then like just turning the dial slightly slightly until like you realize two years later you're like already cranked it all the way and just like are listening to black metal or whatever like yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's just it's just perfect um i don't listen to any jazz i'm gonna i'm gonna make you recommend you don't have to do it like like, right now on the spot (laughs) but later i'm gonna make you tell me something jazz you listen to because i'd be yeah i told this to mike as well and just like i feel like the evolving wild twins have like their own stake in jazz hockey twitter like um really well they went they studied classical music both of them Mm. um and they created this chart that's basically like all modern jazz and it's like the evolution of the genre and everything it's like it's really interesting of like in basically the different albums you point out so like a lot of so it depends if you want to like listen to more like classic and like before kind of 1960 jazz or like more modern stuff where it takes a lot from pop or um even like heavier music like there's this one um i think he's armenian this one pianist tigran uh hamaseyan um i butchered his last name but he loves like metal like like Megadeth and like Judas Priest and like all the that metal and that's what he grew up on like in Armenia and then like he was hmm. trained classically as a pianist but then like he his music evolved into like a lot of riffs heavy that like could have easily been like Dave Mustang singing over top of it kind of thing like um but yeah it's, it's really cool um but yeah so yeah I'll recommend you stuff later this is turning into a jazz recommendation podcast but, uh, yeah um you're gonna slowly turn all of hockey twitter into jazz fans it's yeah it's gonna happen yeah. and then i'll just be left in the dust and everyone will be like bebopping away and it'll just be, <laughs> it'll just be a different experience um i wanted to ask so i did see while i kind of was researching this album i did want to ask were you at the 2016 Pearl Jam show where they played 10 in it, in its entirety at Wells Fargo. I was. You were? I was, yes. Yeah, I have been to 37 Pearl Jam concerts. Oh my god. Yeah, and I was gonna go, they were supposed to tour this last year. I was gonna go see them in New York City in March, and then I was going to road trip from Halifax to Ottawa 
to see them in Ottawa, but that did not happen <laughs> for obvious reasons. But yes, I was there for that. I didn't know it was going to happen before the show started. It was kind of like during that tour, they had done a couple of like full album playthroughs um, at shows. One thing that I like about Pearl Jam concerts is that they never, ever, ever do the same playlist right. twice. So I didn't know it was going to happen. And at first I was like, of all the albums, because like I said, it's not my favorite album. I was like, man, of all the albums they're going to play through, I wish it wasn't this one. But by the end of it, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Like they, obviously the album has like the hits. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's probably a very easily like sing along like album. Like I didn't, so I'm not huge into Pearl Jam, but like, of course, like even flow and all that, like I could just like belt out the chorus if I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, doing my worst impression. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so like it's, I didn't realize like all these songs were also on this album and it was their first album. Yeah. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, this album does have, I I think the songs that people who don't listen to Pearl Jam or know anything about them, every song that they know <laughs> is from this album, for sure. Like Jeremy, yeah. Even Flow, like you said, Black, people love that song. I hate it. Um, Alive, yeah. people know that song. But like, honestly, in my opinion, the best al- the best songs on the album are the deep cuts. If I had to pick, uh, probably... Porch is probably my favorite song on the album, and that one is, like, a super hard song. I like it a lot. Um, Deep's really good. And then Release, which is kind of more of a slow jam, but in, like, a really, like, emotional way, not in, like, a cheesy way. It's one of those songs that, like, if you're having a bad day and you just, like, turn it on really loud in the car and just, like, scream the lyrics, by the end of it, you'll feel better. Like, that kind of song. And then, like, nobody knows those songs, but they're the good ones. So it was it was kind of neat to see them go through the whole thing and play songs that they don't typically play live. Yeah, yeah. Have, like, they don't... Do they ever play Porch live? Like, when you saw them, was it, like, a constant song that they'd pull out? Um, I wouldn't say it was regular, but it was one that they... I've seen them play. I would say... They play every song from this album pretty regularly. Like I would like it not so like every show pretty much includes one of Alive, Even Flow or Black. Um, and then the rest of the songs kind of rotate in and out. Um, Garden's kind of a deep cut that I think that a lot of Pearl Jam fans like, so that one comes in from time to time. Um but yeah, like none of these are super rare as far as live performance goes, but certainly playing all of them was a different thing. Right. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I didn't I know that there's some bands that like a lot of people see, but 37 is just crazy. Um not like it's crazy a, in a good I, way. I went through a in phase. a good way. Crazy in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's just crazy. That's it's, okay. There was a time that they were touring a lot. And they play a lot of songs on the East Coast. So it was super easy to go to, like, the two shows in the Philly area, the three shows in New York City. They might play a show in North Jersey. Like, it was just kind of easy to just, like, you know, bop around the East Coast a little bit. It wasn't really hard to go to a whole bunch of shows. And uh, at one point I ended up – so Pearl Jam has a fan club uh, called the Ten Club. And for – up until very, very recently – if you were in the fan club, you got early access to tickets. And the way that they assigned the seating for the tickets went by seniority. So at one point, I bought a spare... And they were sold in pairs. So at one point, this was, I think, like maybe 2003, something like that. I um, ended up buying this guy's spare ticket from like a message board or something and it turned out he had been in the fan club since like 1992 so we were sitting like third row center at uh up 
at the Meadowlands in North Jersey. And I didn't know that before I like met up with this guy. So I made sure that we were friends after that. (laughs) (laughs) And like every time he was in, he lived in like North Virginia or something. And so every time Pearl Jam would tour the East Coast, I'd be like, so hey, Colin, you want to be tour buddies again? (laughs) And invariably we would be. So I would end up going to a bunch of shows with him and like having awesome seats. It was like a really good, it was like a solid six years that they were touring pretty regularly that I had zero actual responsibilities in my life. So I could just go to a bunch of concerts. It was pretty great. That's that's the best thing to do. Um, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Never have real responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I wish. Man, I miss shows so much. You're making me. <laughs> you're making me miss shows. Just wait. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't wait until stuff happens Honestly. again. Um, well, on a brighter note, um, let's move on to the last segment of the show. Um, okay. Kelly, what did you bring as your one recommendation? A movie, book, article, album, again, whatever. One recommendation. What did you bring? So I am bringing to you a television show from Spain that someone mentioned to me, like, in passing. Oh, this show is good. It's on Netflix. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out. I have, like, heist movies are kind of my favorite genre of movie. I love them. So I was immediately like, okay, I'll probably like this. It's, like, about a bank robbery. I cannot remember the last time. I got so hooked on a show so quickly, especially considering like, obviously the whole thing is subtitled because it's in Spanish. Um, But it's just so good. It has, there's four seasons, um, pretty lengthy seasons. Cause typically I feel like British shows, they have like eight episodes a season, but this is like pretty, pretty lengthy seasons. And just like on the edge of your seat, compelling, crazy good television show if you like heist movies like the oceans movies or the italian job or snatch or whatever stuff like that you would absolutely love this it was it's just so good and there's apparently one more season coming i literally like it's like the only thing that i can think about in my life is when is this next season of money heist going to exist in america because i need to know it's just like it was one of those things where, like, I didn't expect it to be so good. And the fact that it was was just, like, a really pleasant surprise. And I've never watched a Spanish movie or television before, I don't think. Um, I think I've seen a few Mexican movies. But I don't think I've ever seen anything from Spain. And I, like, the quality of it, the acting is amazing. Everyone is hot. Like, I didn't know everyone in Spain was hot, but apparently they are. Um, it just like so good. I I can't recommend it enough. If you need to fill an hour or two every day of your life with television, this is one that you need to check out for sure. Yeah, I actually I think I've seen only the first season, and that was when it first came out. Um, and I didn't even know it was a Spanish show until like after I was done because it was just dubbed, and then like the first couple. Oh, okay. I, I think it was just like automatically whatever and then I was like wasn't I like put it on the background as a kind of a show kind of thing and then like I didn't wasn't paying attention and then I noticed like it since you haven't listened to it dubbed the voice acting is very very bad I don't know if they changed it no. later but like the voices don't match the characters at all and it's like one of those things where it's like no emotion is put into any of like the words so mm. you see that in like screaming or anything and it's like oh how could you do this like oh no like, <laughs> it's like oh great like but yeah like i've that's been kind of in the back of my head it's like something that i need to i need to pick up on again right yeah that's a really good pro tip never go with the dubbing right. always go with the subtitles yeah. it's annoying to read sometimes but the dubbing is is never really that good yeah it's that authentic experience right yeah exactly and plus like honestly like halfway through i was like am i learning spanish i might be i might be learning spanish because it's just like you're essentially immersing yourself in it for a few hours and like 
reading along with English. It kind of sticks in your head a little bit. I convinced myself a little bit that I was teaching myself Spanish. I probably wasn't, but it felt like I might have been. So, so you could pull off a heist. That. You could pull off a heist in, in Spain. Perfect. Right. I could totally pull off a heist. I've seen. I feel like I've done enough research at yeah. this point. Yeah, honestly, like heist mm-hmm. movies are, have always been just one of my favorite. Like I think Snatch was the first movie that I actually like liked watching it's my favorite movie oh well perfect i have a post i have like i had a poster of it when i was in high school of like you know how kids have the just move random movie posters but i had that one framed just yeah. like above my bed and it's <laughs> yeah. like and as like this the son of like half english half irish immigrants like that just like pulled <laughs> pulled the heartstring of like my gypsy relatives of just like oh perfect this is amazing love that yeah that movie's awesome yeah. it's yeah I, just that whole genre is perfect like two um oh what's that one with vinnie um vinnie jones um two lock smoking barrels or something oh lock, lock stock and two smoking barrels. barrels yeah that's another one that's just like it's just that whole like english bulldog kind of thing it's just yeah it's like so corny guy ritchie movies are yeah, great yeah, i yeah, love yeah. guy ritchie movies yeah did, they're so good did you see the gentleman yes that was his most recent yeah. one i like that movie i actually a lot. It was great. yeah i think that was the last movie i saw in theaters before everything oh my god so, yeah that was it's a special place in my heart <laughs> <laughs> the last movie you will ever yeah. see amazing well thank you so much kelly for joining the show um it's yeah thanks for having me this is fun yeah it's anytime just come back with another album and then we could talk more about albums that we listen to as kids <laughs> yeah and, and convince more people to visit the maritimes exactly we're uh <laughs> this show is sponsored by uh nova scotia tourism board um <laughs> anyways if only yeah oh my gosh the money amount of money they probably have um I'll just take free. I'll just take some free plane tickets. <laughs> yeah, just a spot to sleep. Fly me yeah, up, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kelly, where can people find you on all social media or writing or listening? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Hinks H I N X. I do not suggest that you follow me, but you can find me there. Um, I am on Broad Street Hockey Radio each and every week with my pals Steph, Charlie, and Bill. And I don't do a ton of writing at Broad Street Hockey, but I am responsible for making sure that all of the extremely good content that our writers write gets posted on the website. So go there and check out all of the amazing work that people like Tom are doing. No, everyone else but me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Tom sucks. Everybody else is good, but Tom sucks. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> um, you can... Follow me at No Salary Retained. Follow the podcast at Big underscore Shiny underscore Goons. Um, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is. Um, if you like the show, just do something to it. Hit all the buttons that you can. Um, and yeah, just do that for me, please. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Kelly, for coming on. No problem. Thanks, Tom. Perfect. Thank you.